The blast from our past network. Well, I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you offline, miss. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Tess Janos, and I am joined by some two very, very cool dudes. Uh, first, I'm going to start with Corey. You guys all know Corey. He was, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he wasn't gone that long ago, and he's back. He, he missed OCD so much. Um, welcome back, Corey. Thank you. Thank you for having me, back. <laughs> of course. Anytime, man. And then we've got uh, a fabulous guest. Very excited he's here today. Uh, Mr. Diallo Jackson. How you doing, Diallo? Hi, how are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome. So, uh, Diallo, he is the OCD's first guest that's actually a comic writer. I am so excited that you're, uh, that you're here today. Can you tell us about your uh, comic book? I, yeah. I loved it. I read it, by the way. It was so adorable. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, the name of the comic book is called Angela and the Dark. Um, you read Volume Zero, which is our introductory tale to kind of wet the feet to intro the world of uh, the story. And we're working on the graphic novel version um, as we speak. And uh, we're hoping the whole world falls in love with Angela and, and the Dark eventually. <laughs> yes, it's awesome, and it's set in a like super super futuristic world, which I'm a huge fan of because like it could that those worlds can literally be anything. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's like cyber cyberpunk meets uh, Pippi Longstocking is my is my pitch. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That was your elevator pitch yeah, for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was, what's that? No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I I, I love it. I've been a fan uh, of it for a while, and of uh, Diallo's previous comic book, um, the Paranormals. And uh, oh. is is Russell also working doing the art for the graphic novel as well? He did the artwork for uh, issue zero. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so it's a co um, co created by us. So um, it's you know intention is for both of us to um, steer it um, along the way. Um, he's working on artwork uh, for the first story and then from there we're hoping to get into other forms of media and just kind of see where that goes so we'll see and, and not to not to put you on the spot can you throw out um russell's and yours instagram so people can have it yeah russell's instagram is lone fox and cub um and my uh we have an angela and the dark instagram as well and then my instagram is the armageddon but the what's the second is a three <laughs> <laughs> you're like let me count the yeah, e's. Wait, which like, one uh, is the... <laughs> the one the, the e in arma no anyways it's uh the Armageddon. <laughs> we'll tag you on the on the ocd post for sure so you guys can definitely check them out there yeah well cool that's awesome and you i mean it's very obvious you are a an avid comic book reader yes um in yeah. general yeah i grew yeah. up um that was my my whole world for quite a while so 
Yeah, that's awesome. And today we're reviewing Superman. So was Superman, like that was your thing for a while. You know, like, it's correct? actually really, it's actually really funny because it's. Uh, I have, you know, I look at my comic book collection, and I have like way more Marvel comic books than I do DC. <laughs> and um, uh-huh. and X Men is actually my all time favorite. Um, but you know, but like for me, Superman is. Superman is uh, one of the. It's just like the quintessential thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So it's like um, there's a special place in my heart for it, you know. And I watched uh, the the motion picture when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. it just you know there's there's something about it that I love, even if it's not always my favorite. <laughs> right. So. I watched the um the the film last night, the 1976 one with Christopher Reeves. I watched it yesterday. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. I've never seen it before. <laughs> oh, you hadn't. Wow. Wow. No. Yeah, it's uh it's uh the, I mean again, like we'll then we'll talk a lot about it, but I think we've like we've like kind of forgotten like in context how great that movie was and also yeah. um the books we're going to talk about today. So yeah, Christopher Reeves. He was a hunk. My goodness. <laughs> I think I just made that statement to my wife a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why he popped up on something. <laughs> just and said I was it. like, I was like, wow, Christopher Reeves was good looking. He was a good looking dude. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so much that he did in that role. That's just it's. Uh, I mean, and I you know I didn't when I, I saw it when I was a little kid, but like as an adult when I watched it, I'm like, oh yeah, like I saw his transition from Clark to Superman and. Even in, um, I think it's in that movie, um, there's the scene after he flies with Lois through uh, Metropolis and lands, and he's about to tell her he's Clark, and he takes his yes. glasses off. And, like, you, yes. you see the, you see, like, you know, he doesn't change costume or anything, but you can actually see him change from one person to the next. and Like, like he changes his demeanor, like his yeah. stance and everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that that subtle thing is what's like why he worked so well in that role. And totally. as a kid, I was always like off put by some of the weird stuff, especially in Superman two, like him throwing his, his yeah. S and like having it turn into like a cellophane yeah. and all these. And, and I, I kind of like remembered all those things, but rewatching it as an adult, I know I kind of don't care about all those things because I'm so engrossed in Christopher Reeve. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think he's just absolutely. And then when I was younger, I was like, Oh, he's not like super muscular. Like I think Superman should be. But as I'm older, I realize the pure, genius of of his casting yeah. and and the pure genius uh the subtle genius of his acting abilities in that movie yeah. and uh and now i'm like as i get older i'm like oh my god he was a he was a national treasure like yeah. he was amazing yeah. as superman you know yeah, really but was. it's also weird because because he's also superman he, to me he's kind of like non-sexual you know uh-huh. and so like i think it was when i saw him in like uh the poster for like street smart or something uh that he's in where he plays like a reporter i was like mm-hmm. oh damn i was like christopher reed good looking dude <laughs> hello <laughs> that's coming from a straight man i was like come on christopher reed you got it <laughs> like no i looked at him i was like how could anybody ever think that any superman could come after christopher reeves like he was it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that and that's basically been the, the problem <laughs> yeah, that, yeah you know that that has been the problem. He set he set the standard. Yeah. <laughs> and then I watched the the dark one, the Man of Steel one, the mm-hmm. most recent one, and it was yeah. just like literally day and night. Yes. It was like yeah. 
it was he was just too dark for me i was like no i love superman where he's like i'm gonna save the day but this guy's yeah. like i'm on a boat or whatever yeah well then that's it and that's uh the man of steel like i actually like that movie but it's it's problematic and there's like um a lot of things in that movie that took me back to the john byrne depiction of superman mm. which i really love which i was you know i was kind of like oh they they already fixed all this stuff why are they you know, why are they doing this? Yeah. Why are you doing that? They already figured out what, what it takes to make the character work well. So, um, and they had that same problem too in um, Superman Returns in, uh, was that 2006 okay. or seven with um, uh, Brandon Routh? Um, yeah, they, you know, I didn't see Which I actually, I loved Brandon Routh exactly. as the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. I thought right. Brandon Routh, totally underrated. He did a great job of channeling Christopher Reeve's sort of compassion and yeah. everything and just his, his sensibilities. Um, that you know, that movie itself was problematic. And I also, I, I wanted to see Lex Luthor actually try to defeat Superman with something other than just kryptonite. I'm like, yeah. I'm so tired of beat Christopher. It's like, okay, great, yeah, kryptonite will do it. But I, I want to see Lex, Lex Luthor put Superman in a situation through his brains through, through Lex Luthor's smarts that would ultimately entrap Superman just by sheer, like, logic. Like, I can't do this because this will happen. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. I wanted to see Lex Luthor outsmart Superman, not yeah. shank him in the back with a, with a, <laughs> with this, you with know, a kryptonite shiv. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Anybody can do that. Yeah. Exactly, Tess. <laughs> Anyone can do that. I want my Lex Luthor. And, and I think I see parts of it in this John Byrne version. Mm-hmm. I want, if Superman is the strongest being on the planet Earth, his arch nemesis just by sheer deduction has to be the smartest, smartest right yeah. like isn't that yeah. ha- isn't that shouldn't that be it so i feel like we got a little bit of that in this version of man of steel in mm-hmm. the john byrne version even though you know we only saw him for a couple issues yeah yeah and the christopher reese one that that lex luther he was like Whoop, 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 whoop. Like he was just yeah. so comedic and just yeah. kind of like, whoops, oh man, we miss Superman. Like it just, <sighs> it was, I was like, no. Well, it's funny because I'm going to awkwardly segue into the book here, but like uh, Superman, Man of Steel that we're reviewing today, that Lex Luthor, and we'll dive more into it. I liked his the most of what I've seen mm-hmm. so far because he like genuinely was an asshole, a rich asshole who yeah. <laughs> backstabbed everyone. I was like, that's, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and again, that that actually was, um, and so like for for context, that was uh, I think it was like '86, and that was right around the time that DC was having their fifth, I think it was Superman's fiftieth um, anniversary, and okay. um, it was right after Crisis on Infinite Earths, like DC's first big reboot, and um, you know, there's like basically fifty years worth of um, quote unquote continuous storytelling that they've done and there was just like a lot of a lot of like junk basically um and so when they did that reboot they just kind of took a bunch of characters and kind of stripped them down and started over like wonder woman they had a dark knight returns uh came out of that and um batman year, year one um so when they did superman like lex luthor up to that point was actually he was like a more like a a criminal um okay and he wasn't he wasn't what we had in that in the man of steel so when it like 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 take yourself back to that time and and you're you're opening that book for the first time and you're seeing like this businessman guy that we assume that's what he is now but he just he he was never that before but it also it just rang so true 
Like, I just remember being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? And, um, and also because of the, the 80s, uh, right then and there, I mean, the yeah, movie Wall Street, like exactly. the, the ultimate bad guys in the 80s were uh, not costumed villains, but but basically uh, soulless businessmen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those were the biggest baddies you could pretty much find. I mean, even Robocop, the, the bad guy in Robocop is just a businessman, you know, like it's all this shady business stuff. Well, and aliens, um, uh, like, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking about that. The bad guy is yeah. Burke, you yeah. know, the bad, the bad guy is the corporation. So yeah. I, I think it made sense um and, and that that Lex Luthor now you see him as this as a more of a businessman but uh I I do you know all everything that I know about sort of crisis on infinite earths and and, and sort of Superman leading up to this John Byrne thing is all from picking Diallo's mind when we used to hang out in Santa Monica so when we I right here Diallo is <laughs> <laughs> Diallo's brain is my my how I got how I know anything about sort of pre-crisis like Superman and, and stuff like that you know and 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 where he is now and it's I found it ultimately fascinating because when I was younger I, I hated Superman because and yet you can attest Yowler, you can probably tell more about it, but like he had like super thinking, he had super sense of humor, he had everything was super <laughs> and he was perfect in every single way, shape and form. He you had know, super and how uninteresting is that? What is it? He had super ventriloquism. Oh my god. Exactly. Anything yeah. you Amazing. can do, anything a human person can do, he could do it superly, yeah. meaning perfectly. And so how uninteresting in that. But so so correct me if I'm wrong, Diallo, this this is so so Man of Steel is is right away, like immediately after Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Yeah. So this is the immediate re sort of reintroduction into Superman. And so now you you get this uh story. How does the story of like Mom Paul Ken, how has it changed from when it what it was like originally? Did John Byrne bring anything different to this? to the table well the and um so you know just for like to kind of reference like we go back a little bit like what kind of started this whole conversation was that i think was the post that you put up on uh, mother's day right was that what it was oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah and then like mm-hmm. and they had superman um kissing ma kent on the forehead yeah. and i and, saw that frame in the comic book and i was like oh my god there yeah, it is <laughs> yeah exactly and 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 like and like i because i hadn't really thought about it in forever but like when i saw that picture i was like yeah that that is so what it's all about and it's interesting because that's what it was it never was that until that panel and so oh, okay the thing is um and like to answer Corey's question um Ma and Pa Kent were always dead. So it was like sort of like oh. a version of um Batman where like they like mm. he was he was Superboy and that's where Ma and Pa Kent always were um in his life and then at some point they both died and then that's when he went off to like do his like figure out who he was to become Superman. Um in Metropolis, so, yeah. yeah, so when John Byrne did uh Man of Steel, he had like there was there was all these changes, but one of them was that they Mom and Paul Kent were still alive as Superman, and for me that mm-hmm. was that was like I just remember that being such a huge piece of why Superman worked more because he just he had more humanity after that, and in, okay, it just, he just you know he'd always go home, you know, mm-hmm. and there was and there was always he had that, people to take care of, yeah. yeah there was always that piece of him that. Just like it just made the point of him being a human, um, uh, melding with humans. I just like the point came across a little bit better, you know. God, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so and I and I again like and they that depiction crossed over into 
uh, forms of media after that, which I which I love. Like you know, and the biggest one I think is like Smallville, where yeah. <laughs> even though the it was show. back to Superman being a youngster, but just the idea that you see both of their parents, both of his parents influencing him was um and their the warmth that they had and you can see why he has the values he has basically yeah absolutely i mean what if if he had landed on the wrong farm who knows what he would have done yeah. with his powers you know Which there's a whole uh Elseworlds is that a whole thing elseworlds yeah yeah red sun yeah dang it i can't write that one Okay. And I like the fact in this, like, at first, they didn't even assume, like, Mom Pa Kent didn't assume that he was an alien. They assumed that he was, like, Russian or something. Like, yeah. those, those, you know, this is, like, another Sputnik. And, like, oh, those those Russians are sending kids up into space now. And, uh, and you know, and I'm reading and I'm like, no, but he's an alien. But I'm like, oh, but that's actually kind of interesting that you don't have him know or even Mom Pa Kent know right away that, that he's an alien. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that was a. I mean, that's kind of like in. So when they did Superboy in like in like the fifties and sixties, he had found out about all of that stuff. So by the time he comes Superman, he's known about like where he came from. Um, but like when you saw the movie, that movie that you watched, Tessa, um, yeah, yeah, that in that mm-hmm. one, yeah, he didn't. They didn't really know where he was from. So I think John, like John Byrne and um, the edit- editors, I think were pulling from. Um, some influences from the film that had came out, you know, okay. six or seven yeah. years before. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, uh, but it definitely is like, like I, when I was rereading it, I just, I was like, yeah, like it, it's, to me, it's just fascinating how much history is in that, um, in that uh, miniseries. And just his beginnings, just, yeah. just Superman's beginnings, like how, yeah. how different he could be. Yeah. Uh, but I love that because it, I mean, it was way before its time, but before like it was um, not trendy, but like um, it was more of a topical, like it is today about how, uh, you know, family doesn't always have to be blood and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And so mm-hmm. it was super, and he, but he was still like, what is the term? Not fish out of water. Is it fish out of water when he's like that awkward kid? Um, yeah. Like going through school, and and that I think is what really makes people love Superman is that like he's he's not that just that he's super, but that he like even though he had Smallville beginnings, like he figured out how to really just impact the world, which that's why I love Superman. Yeah, he's got yeah yeah I mean, good that, roots. That's why I that, love Superman because he knows where everyone lives in Metropolis. <laughs> that was creepy. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> That was I was like huh. I was like mm, that's a little creepy Superman yeah. but you, you didn't have to actually say that out loud Superman. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say that part out loud, did I? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's why like the Christopher Reeve version works so well because and then, yeah. and, then, and then this is like my big I think like you know going back to like when I used to gripe about movies with Corey my the, the, <laughs> I think the depiction of a lot of the DC um, heroes, I think, in film don't work as well because they don't have that earnestness to, about mm. um, the characters. They don't embrace the cheesy aspects, um, whereas okay. Marvel, like on a certain level, does. So for Superman, with like with Christopher Reeve, like yes, he is a Boy Scout, and he's not. They're not really apologizing for that, you know. So he, um, and they had a lot of that in the the Man of Steel, and. Um, the Man of Steel miniseries, and then if you you know jump forward to um, the Man of Steel movie, 
there i the, i feel like that movie apologizes for all of the cheesy stuff and uh, and i think okay. i really feel like that's why it doesn't resonate as well um yeah. okay. like it's like oh we're gonna give him armor we're gonna take away his underwear we're, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make him broody you know and it's just it's just not the core of who the character is and i i i don't know it just for me it's like if it's been around for 70 80 years it worked for a reason um mm-hmm. so might you it be better to go towards that than away from it unless you have like some truly truly inspired um idea um but just to do something different because you don't you think it's not cool i don't <laughs> i just you know it, yeah. well i will say that like like on one of our, our you know, mini, like, hangouts and, and drinking and talking about comics and stuff. And I was like, man, I just I just don't like Superman. And I know for a fact, Yalo, you said this to me. He goes, you go, I don't know if you don't like Superman or if you just haven't read the right story yet or you haven't seen the right Superman story yet. And after, say, probably ha- having read the, um, um, the Frank Quietly and yeah. uh, Grant Morrison all-star Superman, yeah. um, I have to – I agree with you. I, I never had read the correct – story before and i always you know and i know i don't i didn't like superman being dark in man of steel i do believe that he needs to be a bright um beacon of hope i do like that and how he is in this comic by john byrne um but yeah man like i think you can tell a good superman story i think this is a good superman story uh these six issues here that john byrne are telling um but it's yeah it's not easy to tell us a good superman story because He's super invulnerable, so you want to put him into situations, but that's not where his. It, it, that's not the interesting factor of Superman. It's not that he can punch somebody into the sun. That's not what makes him interesting. It's it's right. how he deals with people. It's how he sees people, uh, like just as beautiful. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. He has no mean bone in his body, and it's just so amazing to see a character that is that unapologetically nice. And in this day and age, man, I feel like we need that more than ever and i feel like that's where and like you said just a few minutes ago that i think that's why the man of steel movie doesn't resonate is because it's just too dark and everything and yeah maybe superman maybe that is a more realistic take on superman but superman's not realistic anyway so let's just make him who he's supposed to be and that is the the bright beacon of hope that we can all look up to not not just you know one specific group of people or whatever but he's supposed to be there for everybody right and that's that's what i like about him yeah 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 definitely. And, and that's what, and I should say, that's what I've learned to appreciate about him as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like that one part in, um, in actually both movies where um, they basically, you know, uh, say uh, Jor-El, when jor is talking to um, Clark and he says, like, they're good people, you know, um, they, mean, they mean to do well, um, but they need a light and you'll, you'll, you'll be that light. And there's a similar line in man of steel and that kind of like that really sums up for me what the character is supposed to be yeah totally um, and like i said that all-star superman definitely does that in spades it's such a good yeah such a good series but but like reading this man like wow like john byrne just just i wouldn't say fixed the character but man he gave him such a, a good solid start for people to sort of go with from here you know really down da- depowering him and all that kind of stuff but this version of superman the john byrne version of superman is the superman that leads up into the death of superman right like he has yeah. he hadn't been rebooted right in between that yeah i mean it was a good uh you know 
stretch before the death of Superman, but yeah, it's the same. Right. Yeah, it's the same uh, character or same version of character. Yeah. And the death of Superman almost because. If my understanding is correct, he was starting again to get a little bit too compiled, a little Mm -hmm. bit too uh, overpowered, and the death of Superman was a way of them sort of rebooting Superman, but without rebooting the entire DC universe, pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what their, you know, intentions were for, like, his powers or anything, but it definitely, yeah, by the time they got there, there was that creep, um, where, (laughs) like, the power creep, and... um, And you, I think they had people telling the stories that it wasn't as compelling again because you know. I, so I mean, for me, I'm like I'm. I guess I'm biased. John Byrne is like my favorite artist of all time. So, and um, and one of my favorite writers. So, um, it a lot of people's take on various things pale in comparison to his. Like his Fantastic Four. Like when I think of Fantastic Four, like that's my version. Um, so that's just maybe that's just me being me but um was he working on that right before this because in the back of this they said they dc like basically snagged him from marvel yeah. he was he was doing fantastic four right before this right yeah he was doing fantastic four i think he had i think he had just gotten off of uh, alpha flight and um yeah and he was doing something else at, at the same time but yeah it was a big deal when they pulled him over to dc Okay, yeah. okay. And which is funny because I think of John Byrne as a DC guy now, huh. uh, you know, uh, being older. So yeah, yeah. I always just sort of think of him as, as DC. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, I will say, it was uh, after having read a lot of newer comics uh, with Tess, the writing style that John oh, Byrne yeah. has in this, it's very classic yeah. 80s comic <laughs> book style, Tess. What did you think about all the, because they explain everything like through dialogue and stuff, like, oh, I know uh, this because of this, you know. Yeah. yeah, I had to write down some of the quotes because they were like so very dramatic. It was kind of like the, the 70s film where Christopher Reeves would just turn into this like, he would just start doing these like monologues off into the distance and and Lois as well. And I was like, yoo-hoo, <laughs> over here, turn around, scenes over there. But it's the same thing in here. Like I wrote down in the very beginning where Lady Lara and Jor-El are talking and, and, and he goes, from the moment I was first shown your hollow image and told your scene and mind would be mingled in the Matrix, I have felt an unknown emotion stirring in my heart. I was like, oh, here we go. Like that was the beginning. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I this is the ride this, we're on. I have the same, like when I, because I haven't read it in forever and so read like yeah yeah and it's been i just the styles have changed i definitely had that same feeling when i was reading wow yeah this is really uh (laughs) this is definitely uh before it's time (laughs) it's like shakespeare and superman kind of wherefore art thou lois yes it was good no i I do miss how much um, thought balloons are. I feel like mm-hmm. new comics don't use like thought balloons as much as as older comics did. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of thoughts. Like I've never yeah. seen that much thought. Super Superman. I think it was really funny. He's like, "Should I go take a shit in that toilet over there?" Like everything <laughs> was detailed out. Like we knew yeah. exactly what he was doing, why he was doing it. Like we couldn't even make assumptions. It was like John Byrne just told you this is why he did that. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I've I mean, never it seen is, that before. It's that it's funny, yeah, because I that's just the way it was. You never really thought twice <laughs> about it when it was it was yeah. in that time. But I think um, you know, and it's actually funny as I started writing my own comic books. I started like it, those 
you know, I was used to word balloons or um, the thought bubbles. And yeah. then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I need to convey this information in a, <laughs> in a different way <laughs> without being yeah. so well, direct it's not all that, the time. I mean, it's not that thought bu- bu- balloons are not being utilized, but it's not like, you know, we, we say, oh, it's, uh, you know, movies, you know, once you go color, no one's ever going to go black and, back to black and white again, you know, type yeah. of thing. Like, it's just, I, I feel like everyone thinks of it as sort of a, a kitschy, old-style way of doing it. Like, mm-hmm. if you wrote this story now at the end when, you know, Superman was dealing with his feelings and, and he yeah. flies off to, to the Antarctic or whatever and he's yeah. thinking and, and, you know, because of John Byrne, we get all of what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, like, Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, Grant War- Morrison would write it where no dialogue, you would just tell Frank quietly how to draw it, and then Frank quietly would just. It's all very cinematic now. They, yeah. Comic books are trying to be very much like movies, and they would show you all of this information, but but Frank quietly would just pull it off in panels. But at the same time, I do. I will push back and say, while it's nice that comics are becoming more cinematic, the one thing that comic books were great about the same as books, you know, prose medium is that you could actually get into the mind of the character and that, mm-hmm. that you know, books, prose books and, and comic books are, are the two forms of medium that can do that well. Now, we see it in, in movies that don't do it well, like, uh, uh, you know, David Lynch's uh, Dune. It's always like, it's always a whisper. They try to do the whisper, you know, and it just, it never works. You know, like, is someone talking? What's happening? You know, and because we're not trained that way, you know, <laughs> the, the Bene Gesserit witch, you know, but, yeah. um, but comics, like, before they moved away from that, I will say I wish they would kind of go back to it because that is something that comic books brought to the table that movies and TV cannot do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It was, and, I, and maybe it doesn't have to be as as elaborate as what John Burns, you know, is telling you, but maybe make it more sound more realistic. But I want the thought balloons back. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tess. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's very passionate about his thought bubbles. Oh, I like it. No, I mean it's a it's a I, there's an art form to it, and I and I because I know some people are very. Um, you know, uh, they see the they the idea of the thought balloons is just such a turnoff to them because they just think sure. they're so over it or they're so cool now we're so beyond that. But it's like no, like again, those things existed for fifty, sixty years and they they worked fine. So don't like you know like ex- appreciate it for what it was when like they hadn't some they hadn't thought of um, expressing things in a different way just yet. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like that about a lot of things though. Like I don't like I don't like it when people crap on special effects from the 80s or 90s or oh you know. yeah. yeah, you're like that's all they had, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, I'm knew. like I'm like, dude, you should actually give them way more props for like trying going out there and doing <laughs> yeah. this thing without all the you know technology that we have today. So, but that's just me. So. No, that's probably not just you. It's probably a lot of people. It's like when people are like, other than Star Wars movies, pushing that to the side, um, the CGI, when the CGI is bad, people are like, the CGI sucked. And I'm like, yes, because it's 1992. They, yeah. they don't even know what CGI stands for like <laughs> like we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> give them yeah. credit. Yeah, those are so my Give them credit right? for trying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Superman, the Superman, the motion picture looks freaking amazing. Oh and, God, and, yeah. and, you know, there's no CGI in that. And, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously there's some parts that don't look great, but you don't hold it against it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just let it but be. <laughs> let it let it be. Now, I, I will say I noticed a little bit. Um, so 
<laughs> circling back to the John Byrne comic, I do love that it set these some of these things moving forward even to today that I know and love about Superman. But I do feel that there are things that they added on later that I actually like better. Like uh, in this, it seemed that the S on his chest didn't stand for anything other than Superman. Yeah. It didn't stand for the House well, of Jarrell. I've also you know? seen. I've seen. Speaking of that S, and I have a question for the panel here. Why? Okay, so like in the movies, the S is on the like chest plate of the people on Krypton. However, like in this one, and I think a, maybe another, it's Ma that makes the outfit. So yeah. like it, and plus Ma doesn't have like the special, um, the special fabric that. Yeah, so like I'm curious, what do you guys prefer, and like what is the real story? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I so. In the comic book, it was all, it was just sort of he they made the costume as a as Superboy, so right. he like and that's just they I mean they hadn't really thought it all the way through, so it's like he's <laughs> he was Superman, so now he's Superboy. They sewed him a costume, <laughs> and yeah. here you go, you know, S. and and the S was for Superman, um, right? And and I actually remembered so yeah, because when um, I and somebody out there might. Um, disagree but my memory of it is um the first time that they had the s in krypton was in the movie and oh and they okay, didn't that's really, where i saw it and i don't really think that they really explained it or went into it like it didn't it wasn't a symbol and then they just kind of like it wasn't ever really discussed until like what Corey was kind of saying until much 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 later when it started to be a symbol for something else. So like it stood for again the last Man of Steel movie. They said it was stood for hope, right? Um, and yeah. it just happens to look like an S. Um, but an right. oh, but a, but it's but hope is with an H. Yeah. Do they know that? Well, like the soap. Yeah. Maybe it's soap. <laughs> yeah. But it, like that's you know that's kind of it, it's a really amorphous kind of thing. But it just literally like oh, at the time it it was like oh because the the S is so iconic. That mm-hmm. like n- there was never any sort of backstory to it. It just Superman, and that's just like with Batman. Like it's just, it's the bat. That's it's Batman. You know. Yeah, um, you have to yeah. put yourself into the like Simon and Schuster's uh, shoes, and you know what? Back in the '40s or whatever it was when '30s, whenever they created it, and and you know back in if you literally read that first issue of like Action Comics, like his origin story is like told in the first page, just like Batman's is. Like mm-hmm. there is no time dedicated to that stuff, and and I I believe it it was just as simple as there's an S on his chest because he's he's Superman, and that's literally it. And yeah. then we've had to and like we yeah we as in like society have like had to basically come up with a reason to sort of ingrain it although i will say here it's you know it's interesting because um yeah ma ma just puts the s on there because it's it's stand you know stands for superman although the the reason the costume doesn't get destroyed is because somehow superman's any clothing that superman is wearing within sort of like uh inches of his body that's which of course which is why it's skin tight because it has to be close to his body and thus his body creates a sort of shielding layer of protection around any cloth that he's wearing yeah. which is just a practical way of like why doesn't this get burned when he flies into the sun or something right yeah because it was yeah. it was in the um in the old you know like the silver age golden age and silver age version it was um the blankets and stuff that he was um wrapped yeah. in when he was born oh and, and, i see and that's okay. why they yeah so that's why they, they came up with the the, the color scheme 
Um, with the S, okay. they still had to make the S out of nothing. But in um, the John Byrne version, yeah, it's that aura around his body. But it's also introduced something that I, and this is one of the things that I really love about the Man of Steel and that depowering and um, versus, and this is like my, my, my nitpick with the Man of Steel movie, is mm. that um, in, um, you don't see, you see it a little bit in Man of Steel, but you see it a lot in the actual series that came after that Byrne did. Um, like super, like <laughs> Superman's costume got like ripped up <laughs> quite a bit when he was like fighting people. Yeah. And a lot of times it yeah. was his, his cape would be all tattered and torn. Um, and I, and that, that's the part that I liked about it because it did give a feeling of uh, peril to Superman. So you knew, okay. you, like, you yeah. knew he was like, he's probably going to be okay. A couple times I remember him like having like bruises and, that kind of stuff, you know, depending on who he was, what he was fighting. Um, but it wasn't just this idea of that he could go into any situation and just come out unscathed. Um, and I think John Byrne used the phrase something like he's just going to have to, you know, he's still invulnerable. He's going to have to sweat a little bit for, like, right. for the results. Yeah. And, um, and the Man of Steel movie, like I liked, I liked, you know, him fighting General Zod. I like those parts. But there was like this room, like he, I remember this one scene, they were in Smallville or somewhere, and he gets punched into a building, like a bank vault or something. And mm-hmm. it just like, he just like kind of brushes the dust off and keeps going. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, that, those are, it was like a little thing, but like those were the kind of things where I wish that they had you know, have his cape get ripped, have him yeah. like looking a little messed up and bruised and, and bloody just so that you don't feel like there are no consequences to anything. Right. Cause that's one of the, yeah. that's, it ends up being one of the things people complain about. Actually, so. uh, yeah. Cause yeah, if he's invulnerable, what's, what's the risk on, on his part? You know, you always need your protagonist to overcome something. And if they, if they're invulnerable, then what are they going to overcome? I, I always particularly was more fond of the old Fleischer cartoons of oh, Superman yeah. back in the day. Um, and because not only because the artwork was absolutely beautiful with the, the rotoscoping and everything, but because like back then, man, like him throwing off like like eight or ten goons was like a feat of strength. Right. For, for, you know, yeah. he didn't like re, you know, resituate the earth back into its orbit. Like he he was he was, you know what? He was still jumping back then. He wasn't like really flying. Right. He was still doing the jumping and stuff. And I personally, I like the flying better than the whole jumping yes. thing. Yeah. But I do like it when his powers are a bit more, you know, a bit more based on how they should have been at the beginning. It's all sun-based. It's like he can see further. Everything's better because it's if, yeah, if you were living someplace with hypergravity, you know what, it's it's why athletes train in Colorado and in very high altitudes because when they go down and play on, on you know, water level, whatever, where the air is cleaner, I don't know. I'm messing I know it all up, I know the, the science of it. <laughs> but but they, they, they're like superhumans. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're like superhumans because they, they've trained where there's less oxygen and everything. They basically are just doing the Superman thing. They just come to a place that you know, is more oxygenated. So yeah. I was like, I like that. I like it when you keep them like that. And I feel like here, I feel like here, yes, John Byrne did have him like taking the, 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 the giant yacht out of the water. Mm-hmm. But he's also mm-hmm. like still sort of discovering his powers too. He's like, 
like, oh, okay, well, this is actually lighter when I fly it than when I walk it. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, like, kind of like, I'll think about that later. Not going to worry about it right now. But I like how even Superman is like, oh, okay, this I'm, I'm a little stronger than I thought I was going to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also want to talk about another element of this comic book. Um, Batman's in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he is. I was like, wait, what? Why is Batman here? And Batman's kind of a jerk. I mean, he's always a moody jerk, but, like, he's, like, a murderous jerk in a weird way. Like, he says that there's a bomb on another person, which it ends up not being. But still, I was like, I even wrote down, this is not the Batman that I know. (laughs) Yeah, that was great writing because I was was a little bit, when he said that at first, I was like, whoa. And then when they reveal that the innocent person is Batman that has the bomb, I was like, that's clever, Batman (laughs) and John Byrne. I really, I was like, I was doing one of those, I was like shaking my finger. I was like, you got me on that one. Good job. Because even Superman mentions it, and I totally forgot about it. I was like, oh, yeah, where was that bomb? And then Bruce, uh, Batman's like, it's on me. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> Batman, oh, you. you, and we're in Gotham too, which is, I was like, I had to do a double take on that as well. So yeah. I've never seen like a Superman Batman mashup. That it was, it was my first. <laughs> well, and again, like if you you know take context that that meeting was so like mind blowing because yeah, up to that point. For, they were like for the most part they were like bffs like in the com like especially the silver age oh. comic books and stuff they would like there were stories where like uh batman couldn't do something so superman would like dress up like bruce wayne and like just they would do all this stuff and they oh. were just like best of friends and like there was no conflict or anything and then um like you know right around that time they had um you know they towards the end of that pre-crisis era they were having some, you know, some tension, but it was nowhere near what it became. And then, you know, you had Crisis come out, and then you had uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and then, like, in that one, they're, they're like, flat-out fighting. And, and it's kind of like, what? What's going on? You know, and then... Um, yeah. um, and that was towards the end of their careers, and then you had Man of Steel come out, and that issue, I think it was the third issue. Um, yeah, like, they were straight-up enemies and you're just it would, yeah i mean like again at the time like it was just like that had never really been done before and 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 it was one of those things that like it just it resonated it stuck it felt authentic and that's it kind of been i mean they, they haven't been that antagonistic um uh, all along but they've always had that tension ever since that that's been sort of like a a hallmark of of the two because one represents the light and the other one represents the dark and so right yeah the yin and yang of superheroes yeah 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 right. and i liked at the end of it where even batman was like or was it super uh, who i think it was batman, it was batman. Think, right he was like yeah. i feel like yeah I, I feel like we could have been uh, uh be- best friends like in a different timeline or something yeah. which yeah. i guess was a a reference to to pre uh, crisis. Um, I used to read World's Finest, which was oh, what yeah. the, the Batman Superman comic, yeah. yeah, from the early '80s or whatever. Uh, I liked, I liked those, yeah, I and that. I. But I do like this better. I do like um, Batman and Superman having this like respect for each other. Like we 
get it, but at the same time, Batman isn't quite doing things the way Superman would want it, but at the same time, he Superman gets it. He's like, okay, I understand. And I do like how John Byrne in this comic is like, okay, uh, even Superman's like, okay, I see that Gotham is a different beast than Metropolis. Like, he, he, Batman has to do it his way, you know, type of thing. And I think now he kind of, he understands that Batman's not a bad guy. He's not gonna, you know, he's not like just gonna kill people. He actually does care. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it was important to have that conversation between Batman and Superman about uh, Magpie, the the villain that you see mm-hmm. just briefly, yeah. and how you got to see that, of course, Superman's going to be compassionate. We already knew that. But I think that that was a very important groundwork statement for Batman. For like, So he, Batman, you know, he's like, I, talks about how he does also. He feels bad as well, but obviously he feels mm-hmm. more worse for the people that died. But I think it showed uh, Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, that, okay, Batman is maybe a good guy even though he's doing this differently than I would, you know? And I did like seeing Batman not have a Batmobile and having, like, an actual normal... Yeah, like having a sports car sedan. And I'm like... And I started thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so much more practical than having just a Batmobile sitting out there. Like, if you just had a black sports car that was just as armored and high-tech but looked like a normal car, I'm like, that's so much smarter, and I kind of wish my Batman was more, a bit more, I don't know, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a bit more subtle, maybe, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That was that was just me. That was a, a thing that I kind of t- no, uh, enjoyed that, for that. That was, I mean, that's why that series was so great, because, again, this was the first time we were seeing, like, all of this stuff at the time right like, it was it was like the first sort of it was the first reboot for dc like they do it every like two years now but the, yeah. <laughs> now it's a thing now yeah. it's normal yeah. right <laughs> but i mean back yeah. then it was like they were just taking like all these all these little pieces and threads and everything that you had seen and they they were kind of wiping it out and redoing all of it for the first time so like seeing him without the batmobile that was that was the first time that we were like really seeing that and and sort of and like again like with with superman there was just so many elements like um there used to be like you know there was i mean red kryptonite gold kryptonite blue kryptonite right rainbow kryptonite like they had all these different ones and and they was just like they just okay there's only just green now and even then in the series you don't really see it like it it comes into play Mm. in the next in the actual series um but there's only like it's not like kryptonite is everywhere it's like there was only like a a couple i actually think it was one um it was a little the little chunk that was on the back of his rocket ship um, yeah the first issue and then that like that was it and then lex Luthor tries to synthesize some um and that has all these repercussions um so uh you know there was like you know supergirl super horse um crypto which i i missed crypto i missed crypto i was like that was my yeah. favorite but like they just they wiped all of that stuff out and just kind of like got back to the core of superman and again eventually all of those characters came back in in various forms to to you know, I, I to, to to muddy everything up. Yeah, well, no, actually, like to varying degrees of success. I was gonna say, because like, yeah. like again, I like I love it's like Supergirl is one of my favorites. I love Supergirl, Crypto. I love Crypto, um, but I like I. It took them a while to figure out how to do Supergirl again because they they were so adamant on Superman being the only um, 
survivor of Krypton, so they had to try to come and, up with all these different versions of how she's here. And that was kind of like a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was what John Byrne sort of added to his mythos was giving Superman this survivor's guilt as well, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Which and he, yeah, like he, like you. So in the in the in the actual series, um, Superman deals with some really heavy stuff at the very last issue John Byrne wrote. Um, okay. And basically, so, you know, we know like General Zod um, and uh, there's a couple, uh, there were different names in the, um, in the comic book version, but they're, you know, they, they were like this pocket universe that basically had that same level of power in the Silver Age versions of Superman, where Superman basically could do anything, travel through time yeah. if you want, just do anything, right? So... Yeah. These evil versions came to, like, they destroyed a whole planet, a whole version of Earth, and Superman was just like, yeah, what do I do? So Superman actually kills them, <laughs> but it was, but it was like, it wasn't, it was this whole thing, and like, there were repercussions. Because they're, because they're Kryptonian, right? Yeah. Because like, it's like, yeah. yeah. So they were Kryptonian, um, but from an alternate, you know, universe, but he was just kind of like... Like, they literally killed a planet of five billion people. So I can't just, like, yeah. let it go. But it wasn't like he just, you know. So it was this whole... He didn't take it lightly. Yeah, he didn't. Like, so it was this whole... You saw him going through the sort of, like, thought process and, like, reluctantly he killed them using green kryptonite. And um, and then... But then that, that actually... There was repercussions to that because that actually sent him into this spiral of guilt and there was this whole oh. story arc where he flew off into space and had all these adventures. So, um, yeah, it just like it, it's again, it's just one of those. It's one of those things. I remember in um, in, uh, in the Man of Steel movie when he killed uh, General Zod at the end, and people were like, "Superman doesn't kill." And I'm like, "Well, I can think of like lots of instances where I, I've seen." Like, <laughs> <laughs> he did actually. <laughs> it's like it's it's more than a handful, by the way, guys. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, but like he just, you know, he definitely has, you know. Um, yeah. And it's, but anyways, uh, it, it, there's there's like an emotional depth to the character that I think um, John Byrne brought in, but he did it without mm-hmm. like mistaking that depth for being dark, and I think that's where yeah. that's where the the misstep I think kind of happens now. Is well, the darkness, yeah. I feel like the darkness in any su- sort of superhero comes from, like, deep, dark, terrible trauma, like <laughs> Batman. Yeah. But, like, Superman, he had this great upbringing, and he was the star of the football team, and, like, you know, and he was, like, this hunky, well, in this comic book, anyway. In the movie, he was, like, a, a side jerk, or not a jerk, but, like, a, like a reject, and nobody liked yeah. him, which I never understood. I was, like, what? <laughs> He looks, he's not, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, what do you, but yeah, so I think that that's also why he's like very bright too, because he has seen like the, the super bright side of life of having like love and a family and, yeah. and having, you know, feeling like I need to save the world. Whereas Batman was like, I need vengeance, like kind of like I need to. Yeah. So, um, another character I really want to talk about who I was really excited for and I have never really dove into is Miss Lois Lane. Mm. Mm-hmm. She is did, did you stellar. love her 80s fashion? Loved it. 
<laughs> loved it. Why did you get me this dress? Yeah. Any woman would want to wear this dress. And I was like, would they? Would they? <laughs> she is a, but she's a tough cookie, though. She, yeah. like, gets that story. She'll jump into a helicopter. She'll, she'll dive on. She's just, she's great. I didn't realize how, like, especially for, like, 1986, portraying a woman yeah. in comics. Yeah. Like, that was, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and I feel like, like this is that's the lowest lane that I know now is this version. Diallo, was she like this before the the Crisis reboot? Yeah, I mean, she was like that, but not to that degree. I um, you know, like I think the um the actual the the movie version is a pretty good depiction of of like sort of that no nonsense um nature. The, the that Margot she Kiddo had. version, yeah, the Margot Kiddo version. Um, but the the comic book version was the first time it almost was like she could have her own series. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, yeah, it was just she was more independent. She wasn't, um, you know, you didn't get that impression that she needed to have the Superman like to to complete her or whatever. He was just extra. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, and you know, and like again, they're they're because they're it was funny reading rereading it. But it's like you know, we we come a long way so in some in some instances i'm like oh that's a little dated but i actually was really like impressed by how much it held up um like yeah she, she definitely and i think that like that idea of her i think it was when that that the issue with the uh the dress when she was the ship gets yes uh, uh hot uh and she takes the gun she takes the gun starts shooting it and, so good know, yeah. I was I was like, like get it girl stuff. yeah it was just like okay uh, she, she wasn't a damsel in distress, yeah, and which, no. is, which is the, you know, how she, I think she kind of had been portrayed. Even in the movie, she like she always she like needed to be saved, even when she was being tough. But in the mm-hmm. series, not not to the same degree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Margot Kidder will like always be my Superman, uh, my Lois Lane. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's she she's awesome. I always liked that that. Uh, yeah, she never in especially in those movies, she never quite felt like uh the the damsel in distress even though she got into those situations. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it felt organic. Like she got into those situations because she was so so tenacious, you know, and 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 she would have been there whether or not Superman was around or not type of thing. Unfortunately, she probably would have died, but uh thankfully <laughs> every time Superman <laughs> every died time. fighting, man. She well, it's like died I, actually, fighting. The, I think one of my favorite moments that you're talking about Corey, is actually in the beginning of superman 2 when um, she's in the eiffel tower and the terrorist yep. there just sneaks on like she sneaks past the guards and is getting in the, the elevator she gets underneath the elevator shaft and it's going up and she's like reciting pulitzer prize to herself to remember why she's doing all this stuff and yeah and again like if there was no superman in that story you get the impression that it could just be a story just with her handling all that yeah all that stuff in her own and- way and it would be yeah. a great story. Yeah. I, I think she would make a great uh, character. I, I, I'm sure they've tried to to give her her own series, right? Yeah, uh, at they, one point I yeah, feel like had, I've seen they've it. They've had series um, over the over. I mean, they even uh, even back in the, the 50s and 60s, she had her own like series. Uh, oh. Yeah, my my and, lowest lane that I remember is Terry Hatcher in the uh, Lewis and Lois and Clark one, yeah. but that I don't remember her being like like this Lois in this comic. She was, yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but 
Yeah, I mean, she's still like she always has had that edge, but I definitely again, I'm have I have the same impression that you did, having already read it, but like having I haven't read it in a long time and kind of refreshing myself. It's like, yeah, she. I think that's one of the and again, I think one of the reasons why I liked the series so much is like her the strength of her character was so much better in that miniseries and in John Byrne's depiction than it was in, um, like even after he left the book, I think she like got a little mm. softer. Um, and, uh, but he does like, he does that. I mean, he had done that with a lot of his characters when he was on X-Men. I mean, geez, like, um, you know, storm, um, like the, the female characters were, is kind of one of those things he like, um, in Fantastic Four, she 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 was no longer Invisible Girl. She became Invisible Woman. He brought She Hulk mm. in, and just like so, he like he's always had that that kind of like look when it came to his books. I, I love it. it. Yeah. Now I will say my my favorite issue uh, was the Bizarro issue. <laughs> I was not expecting to see Bizarro to make an appearance, yeah. and I love what John Byrne did with him. I yeah. we didn't really get that much into Bizarro's head, and we're kind of left with a little questions here and there. But I I, I loved I just love that issue. I loved how mysterious it sort of was. Like all of a sudden, you know, Superman's downstairs at the the at the Daily Bugle, and there's this Bizarro creature, like almost like putting on his clothes but i love the fact that he puts the clothes over the cape but the cape is still yeah. just you know dangling down oh, the, the superman zombie clone yeah. that's what yeah. you're talking yeah. about right yeah. okay yeah. i was like bizarro i'm like looking at my nose but bizarro i don't see bizarro anywhere <laughs> Am I re- did i read all of them yeah he was weird man i love that though because it starts off with like lex going into his science lab you know and he pays his scientists yeah. probably a bajillion dollars to do all this work and he's treating him like scum of the earth of course and he's like of course right and he's like, he's like, you gotta, you gotta make me a clone. We need him with everything that has to do with Superman's powers. And he's like, oh wait, he's an alien. Like we learn all of these things. It's like I liked it how we went into Lex's layer with this story, yes. and we got to know yeah. Lex a little bit more. And we all already knew he was a big asshole, yeah. but now it was like, whoa, no, he really wants to take over the world. But he's still kind of an idiot in that way because he never, all he has over Superman is money and yeah. citywide connections. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, and, and I- you got nothing. And I love how how the the, the the doctor scientist guy was like, uh, no, I didn't screw up. We didn't have an X factor. Yeah. Like I, I loved how he just told straight up told him. He's like, nope, I didn't mess up. We just didn't know this factor, yeah. and that's all there is to it. It's just science. And uh, you know what I mean? I yeah. was like, oh yeah, dude, you stand up to, to Lex Luthor. Who could have you know? known that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> I loved it, but then the, the I and then like this is my first time ever even knowing that Lois Lane has a sister. Didn't mm. even know about yeah. that. Um, and then the fact yeah. that she's blind, I was like, okay, didn't know that either. And then the whole thing, like, obviously it could have been fleshed out a little bit better, but I feel like that whole issue with, with, with Bizarro and having these like healing factors and how maybe, maybe he doesn't, Superman doesn't know, but maybe Bizarro actually killed himself to, to save the girl or yeah. the city. I would have liked to have actually seen that one issue blown out bigger to like a couple issues and then having Bizarro's like death actually like save a bunch of people. Yeah. And I just, cause I like the fact that you because we all know that bizarro is a superman villain but he didn't act like that in this in this comic he he, right. he didn't it didn't seem to have that to him there was something there i just i freaking love that issue man that yeah. was my favorite issue yeah I question it, yeah go ahead no i'm just confused so bizarro i i don't maybe i'm not thinking of the same person it's the superman zombie clone but he is created and destroyed within this issue so you yeah seen him so so yeah so again um he was a classic 
Superman villain. Um, and, oh. um, so he was, again, like when, and when they did the reboot, they were bringing back in all of these characters. And I think that was the first villain that they brought back in. Um, and then in the series, they bring back other ones like Metallo, um, Brainiac, um, a couple others. So, um, okay. yeah, and they, you know, it's like, sort of like, um, reimagined how they, came about um the, the bizarro so bizarro in the comic books in the silver age it was there was a whole like planet and it was just like with bizarro versions of all the super superheroes like there was a bizarre batman and there, it was just like it was just like the reverse opposite the, the planet was square instead of round yeah like oh so it wasn't created by anybody it was just another dimension basically yeah yeah okay and so again it was and it was like a it was a way of grounding it um in a mm. in a closer to reality and i like with quotes into <laughs> the reality but <laughs> it was just kind of like reimagining okay if if we take away all that all that the, the silver age was wild man they had like again they, like I said, they had like <laughs> all kinds of stuff back then and and so how do we make it well a plus bit this origin this origin like fits with like the technology of the 80s right like like you know when bizarro was conceived of you know there was no even idea that we could just clone somebody that's a technology that's science fiction but here in Mm -hmm. the 80s and and you know you'll know it was that was the thing that people talked about like that was what was happening so to have this reimagining of bizarro being more of a clone is it fit perfectly into that era reimagining but like i have a memory of like the square bizarro and all that kind of his world and stuff but i kind of i like the bizarro better that is a clone like this yeah i I kind of like that a little bit better but then in the the grant morrison frank quietly all-star superman they bring the the bizarro world sort of back into the equation and that and the all-star superman was its own little beast which is which is grant morrison (laughs) essentially taking 75 years of of history and somehow distilling it into one lifetime of of experiences that superman had you know like unrealistically but let's see how we can do it yeah um but i i like this i like this version of bizarro is kind of the one i like the best Mm -hmm. the clone version the the you know the almost like frankenstein ish yeah yeah i i I agree with you i think it's one of the there was not as much baggage it it had some heart it made just made sense like oh yeah he's like he's uh, he's superman but he was cloned and and so he but he's not all there so (laughs) yeah Um, Yeah. so he's not quite evil yeah Yeah. He doesn't he's really just, he know just, that he's alive. He's just yeah. kind of like a vegetable walking. <laughs> yeah. And he no doesn't brains. talk backwards like like right. other Bizarros did, you know. So like, you know, you didn't have to like try to read it and decipher it, you know, me me love you and and hello for goodbye, all this kind of stuff. Like Tess, it was like <laughs> reading that All-Star Superman with that Frank that uh, uh Grant Morrison wrote is can be a little bit difficult to try to decipher what uh Bizarro is saying, although, you know, that's probably what Grant Morrison was going for for right. you to feel like Superman in that scenario but I never quite liked it I actually like it here where he didn't talk at all and you have to like sort of infer and you have to like and you think he's going to do something bad but he's not because he's not 
technically a bad guy. He's yeah. just mm-hmm. lost. He was just lost, and and he was just working on be like like you know instinct. I guess when you say it that way, it's so sad. I'm so sad now. <laughs> I do. That's what I'm telling you, man. Like that was my favorite issue. I was like, I was like that one issue, that one issue, and like I've read so much more Bizarro before, but that one issue. You know, I'll say this on air. That <laughs> issue made me love Bizarro. That this was the Aww. first time that I loved Bizarro. Uh-huh. And then at the end, where like Superman was like, oh, and the the Bizarro's you know dust flakes you know healed her. Her, her eyes he's like maybe that's why he killed himself to begin with because yes. he did turn into superman and fly at him you know and i was yeah. like you don't know for sure but i'm gonna choose to believe that bizarro did sacrifice himself yeah i call i gotta call one one part of that issue out though uh <laughs> the, with the ease of uh lucy like wanting to, <laughs> to yeah to, she, she can't see so she's gonna jump off a building i was yeah. like oh, okay. that was weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. yeah she, she was like, find a way. I know that was dark. <laughs> yeah, because that doesn't that doesn't tell a story of like overcoming like you know personal things. Like that's just, she was like, nope, I'm gonna kill myself. That's yeah. why I do think that that story could have been drawn out better into like yeah. maybe four or five issues, and I think it really could have been yeah. impactful. Mm-hmm. But John Byrne did a great job of of you know, and, and these six issues were like they were very standalone. You know, yeah. there wasn't a lot of connectivity other than you know just superman himself uh they were very standalone it felt which was would a little bit you know jarring at first because we do uh testing used to, uh, would read a lot of like trades like and, yeah. and trades usually have a lot of connected especially nowadays you know compared to back then but back then the wasn't the mentality more like you know you wanted people to be able to enjoy every single one issue even if that was the one issue they sort of picked up well I mean, it's actually interesting because for, for this one, it actually really was just about rebooting Superman. Because again, this was like the mm. first time, and I think Man of Steel was the first re like the first DC reboot I think that came out. So, it was like, so, so like, so, so Crisis came out after yeah. the last issue of Crisis. Then, then people would have pretty much just picked up Man of Steel issue one yeah, uh, right away like, right afterwards. Around, yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, and then like uh, year one. Batman Year One came out um, either like a little bit after that. I can't remember quite, but I think um, either The Dark Knight Returns came out either before, like just before, or just after, around the same time as Man of Steel. It was just it was this it was this time where there was all of these reimagining of these heroes that had just been around in one form forever. I mean, Tess, I mean, you, uh, you guys, you shared that picture of. Um, uh, Alan Scott, uh, Green Lantern. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, because it took me, it kind of took me back because I was just like, yeah, because it was that version. He was the original Green Lantern in the in like the forties, and then um, and then Hal Jordan was actually the sort of like reboot of that character from like the sixties on. So basically, mm-hmm. you had um, Hal Jordan and all of his various adventures, and then you had um, Crisis. And they even did a, which was a really good, again, I get so frustrated at the DC movies because I'm just like, because uh. <laughs> the, 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 the uh, Green Lantern, uh, it's called Emerald Dawn um, mm. uh, miniseries, was, it was okay. so good. It was so well done. Aww. And it was just, a, it, again, it just like, it was the perfect way to redo characters and get rid of baggage, kind of figure it out what worked best. And um but it was yeah. So when they did that Superman, it was like the first time that we were actually seeing that. So they were kind of Man of Steel was a little bit different because they were catching you up 
um, without okay. like telling a story per se. It was kind of like, mm. okay, this is who Superman is now. And it was actually over a span of years. So mm-hmm. by the time they get to Superman, the series, the ongoing series, it's sort of, it's more, I mean, those books were still standalone sort of. And there was another book that was at, at the same time called Adventures of Superman, which was um, like standalone stories. He would team up with a lot of uh, people in that one. But mm-hmm. um Anyways, I'm I'm babbling, but it's just no. Please, yeah. please, this is the place. Go, but go. Just, yeah, it's just Download. like that. It was because it, 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 I again when I was reading and I was like, oh yeah, that Man of Steel was. It was sort of like dipping your toes back into who this new Superman is. But if you like you when you read it, there's little um, lines in each issue that's kind of like he's thinking back. Oh, this happened like 18 months ago and that was the issue couple issues before so mm-hmm. it was telling it over again with little nuggets along the way my favorite I, I'm, I'm sorry what were you saying Tess no my favorite part of this issue which I, I haven't this is the oldest um, comic book that I've read I think 1980s oh, wow. yeah and I loved uh, the the one rectangle that said shoom what <laughs> which part? I don't know which part were you in the first issue. In the in the Superman the zombie clone guy uh-huh. when he um when Superman kills him and he's like I know I'll go at him full force and all you see is yeah. like Superman going at him and then the big panel next is just shoom and then there's it's just like like uh, orange like exploding oh, yeah, colors yeah. I'm definitely gonna screenshot that that was my favorite I would love to like just frame that and have that in the house you know what I mean just yeah. as like a comic book. Uh, art piece yeah i love that <laughs> i feel like that's a lost art form uh, in comics like working the working the sound effects into the panels and everything yeah. I, I feel like they don't do that they don't do that anymore that's like such an old school way of doing it but it's, it was such a great art form uh, of having these these panels or just figuring out how to just put the the machine gun sounds in you know all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah, it's yeah. funny because um, when we were, we were doing Angela in the Dark, I, you know, like Russell, like Russell's version of that is doing um, like Japanese characters to do some of the sound effects. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Kind of, oh, we, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we definitely like we like I I appreciate that stuff. I love it. So yeah, I like the little sound effects, the little subtle ones yeah. and big ones because it just like to me, comic books are supposed to be like. Um, like kind of bolded in your face, so sure. I like I I have no I have no problem with yeah. any of it. You're it's <laughs> funny when that happened in your comic the when they had the characters it reminded me of Firefly because you know how like it goes back and forth from English to Chinese oh, yeah. back and yeah, forth yeah. you know yeah it's like you don't know what they're saying but you know that something's going on you kind of yeah. know what's happening so I enjoy yeah that part. oh so that part yeah because that that part is um um it's we're we're trying to show that it's encrypted so that they can hear each other in their little headsets but like outside you that's what you would hear and um it's actually i have a like i have you know my script i know what they're saying (laughs) i was gonna ask you that when i was reading it i was like i'm gonna ask diallo do you did you write out what they were saying so like you and you and russell knew what they were saying in those scenes yeah yeah so i actually i mean i originally when i wrote it i originally wrote what they were saying and then I think at a, you know, as we were getting to the lettering part, 
that idea came to me and then we worked with um with Leah with some fonts to show that it was you know that it was uh encrypted and then we got that one and so you know at some point you know I'd like to be able to show what they were saying and it's not like not like world groundbreaking stuff but there yeah. they actually there's like it's funny some when I reread it sometimes I'm like oh yeah that was a little quip she was just being dismissive uh. to this person but like all you can see is the little the squiggly characters. lines. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Um, so we've kind of made it to the end of the uh, superhero, superhero, yes, yeah, superhero, but Superman comic here. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, I guess we can uh, review it, dare we say. I think yeah. I know what Diallo's review is. I'm not going to lie. I think I know what it is. Um, but you, <laughs> you've listened to OCD before, and you know we rate on a scale of one to five, and then you pick a noun from the comic to accommodate that score. Uh, Corey, would you like to go first? What is your score for this comic? Yeah. I think uh, I, I, I really enjoyed myself with this one, truthfully. And uh, I think I'm going to have to give it four bizarros out of five. I think, I, think it's a, I think it's a lot of it was honestly at first I was like it felt a little dated with the dialogue. But what was at first a feeling of, you know, like, 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 oh, this is old turned into nostalgia. And I was like, oh, man, I kind of miss the way comics were written back in the day like this. So so I definitely it, it's for but it's also with a, hel- a healthy dose of nostalgia. Ah, that's cool. Um, OK, I'll go. Let's see here. So I'm going to give it a whole. I think that if you're getting into Superman and you want like a good foundation of a of an origin story and how he progresses in Metropolis and his relationship with Lois and his relationship with like Fluther and all that, I would give it a, a hefty 4.5. And I'm going to explain this: Beefcake Farmers. Okay, there's a. <laughs> I, I do you know, know who I'm talking I about? <laughs> it's at the beginning. <laughs> it's at the beginning when Laura yep. and Jorel are talking, and she's like, "I'm sending him to Kansas Earth," and then she gets a picture of this like, like super hunky beefcake farmer guy in Kansas, and she's like, "What kind of hell are you sending our child to?" And I was like, "I want to go there. I don't understand what the problem is, Laura." She faints. Right? I think I think he was I think he was giving her the vapors. Yeah, <laughs> she totally fell out when she saw that. What kind of hell? Oh, that was great. That was great. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you, Diallo? You're well, up. so for me, I think I I mean clearly I love uh, John Byrne. I love the the series, and it it means so much to me in terms of just where the direction comic books have gone since that one yeah. issue. So and mm-hmm. I give it a five. Um, I give it five Armani dresses or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Whatever, whatever dress she was wearing. They actually say the name. Like she says like yeah. something. And yeah, so I, I give it five, five Armani dresses. <laughs> specifically it. like 1986 Armani dresses. Yeah, yeah, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the shoulders were like a foot yeah. above her shoulders. Yeah. She's like, any woman would want to wear this. That was funny. <laughs> Oh man! But between uh, uh, always watching like '80s movies for podcasting after dark, and then I'm like wa- reading this, and I'm like, I can't escape the '80s. This is insane. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, the '80s is like a stamp on on everything. Like it's uh, yeah. it was such a such a decade. So <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't there, but I heard it was great. 
<laughs> it, it was something. It <laughs> was something. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, well, Diallo, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I I really appreciate getting to know you, man. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Corey's been talking to you up all of OCD. You're always uh, my friend Diallo. That's your name officially here on OCD. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. And, yeah, it's uh, it always, uh, as I was Going through my uh, comic books to pull out my Man of Steel issues to reread them, I remember how I first met Corey when I was I was uh, <laughs> I was moving Aww. and I had all these comic books that I was moving to my house and he he was he lived next door and he was like, hey, you collect comics? <laughs> <laughs> so. You're like, yeah, and I'm moving, yeah. so <laughs> bye bye, <laughs> peace out. I <laughs> like. <laughs> later i like how guys can easily bond over comics where girls it takes us a lot of time pretending like we don't see the other person and then we're like wait a minute they're kind of cool but guys are like you like comics yeah. i like comics we should be friends yeah we were friends anyway, yeah and luckily i was just That's moved it? across the street so it was uh, yeah. it wasn't too yeah. far <laughs> yep yep yeah. how long did you, you guys live far. by each other it's a couple years wasn't it yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years, and then uh, you know you still moved a little bit further down into Santa Monica, so yeah. you weren't ever really quite that far away until I moved up into the valley, and then yeah. bye bye, I saw you once every imploded. year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yep, <laughs> see you once a year. Yeah. That's the way it is in LA. Yeah, yeah, Santa Monica. I don't know when the last time I was in Santa Monica, so it's. I mean, that's that's a trek. If if I had like a close friend in Santa Monica, I'd be like, well, do you want to Skype all the time? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I barely leave my house, so I I, don't, <laughs> I can barely manage the uh, mile drive just to get down to the beach. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I, feel, I feel everyone's pain. Yeah. Well, um, do you want to do you want to plug any of your social media again? So uh, and I'll obviously tag you on OCD as well. The post. So. Yeah, um, uh, we're on. Um, I'm on Instagram um, at the Armageddon. Again, the the second E is a three. <laughs> She'll tag that. And then uh, yeah. we have uh, Angela and the Dark. It's literally Angela and the Dark um, on Instagram. Um, and I have a author's page on Facebook, uh, Adiello Jackson. Um, and I'm banned on Twitter, so I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I always have to say Why? that every, every time I do one of these. Yeah, I'm banned on Twitter. So. Oh, my gosh. Dare I ask, what did you do? <laughs> it's a dumb story, but, you know. It's, Perfect. Uh, yeah. That's great. I love that. I wish I was, like... That that's so badass though. Like yeah. I'm banned from a whole social media thing. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> like if you ever come back, we'll delete your other account. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love God. that. I love that. And of course we got the fabulous Corey. You guys all know and love Corey. Corey, where can we find you in cyberspace, my friend? Oh, you know, you can find me over on uh, Instagram at Corey Nation and all around the BFOP network, the usuals. You guys know by this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. If you'd like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, please give OCD a follow on whatever podcatcher you are currently listening to this episode on. Thank you so much. And you can also follow OCD on Instagram at OCD Podcast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OCD Podcast. Thank you once again to Diallo and Corey for joining me on this Superman-filled episode of OCD. 
Thank you guys. You were awesome. That was a fun conversation. Tune in next week as I review Harley Quinn Breaking Glass with Emily Slade from Why This Film Podcast. Later, guys! Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.